G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yes, my first panel for the new year. Really looking forward to talking to these two gents as well. Jamie Wall and Guy Havelt uh, have uh, christened in the new year for us here this morning. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, I'll start with you, Jamie, and uh, a subject which is of real interest to us. Uh, normally, we wouldn't care too much about uh, Newcastle and Watford drawing one all, uh, but we do all of a sudden because Chris Wood now is uh, playing for Newcastle and uh, the reviews I read weren't that flattering of that first performance. Good morning. Happy New Year, Jamie. Oh, Jamie, hasn't uh, he's dropped off there. So we'll, we'll wait for that subject for Jamie because I know he's... Uh, Really wanted to talk about that. Guy, are you are you with us this morning, Guy? I believe I am, Smithy. I was about to say you've got the heavyweights in for your first for your first panel and one of them can't even talk. It's an issue. I know. Yeah, I I bluffed him with my first question. I got him I got him. <laughs> um, so he, hey, speaking of heavyweights, um well Australia are heavyweight at cricket. Uh England are a featherweight at the moment. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Ashes was so one sided, it was disappointing as well as not funny. It was woefully bad, wasn't it, Smitty? And I think we spoke before Christmas, just before uh, you headed off for your break, uh, and, and I think I predicted, well, I did predict, that it would be 5-0, and it should have been 5-0 if it wasn't for the rain mm. in Sydney. They were just atrociously bad, England. Uh, they had Joe Root in the batting stocks. On occasion, David Milan, he, he, he was okay, and Ben Stokes uh, every so often. But, man, they, they their batting is just... How, how, when they have so many resources and they pour so much money into it and cricket is such a big sport in the UK, can they not find at least five decent batsmen to try and get them through a test match? I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I know they've poured all their money into, into T20 and, and white ball cricket and that has had some reward, but test cricket, I think, for, for most is still the pinnacle and uh, to see England just so incredibly out of their depths is, is, is quite... But it's concerning. It's, it's it's even quite sad from a from a cricket fan's point of view to see the Ashes just so boring, uh, and that's really what it was. Because after the first test, I think we all knew that what the result was going to be, uh, and it proved to be that way. And an Ashes should never be like that. And uh, it was a real shame. And saying that, uh, Australia very 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 good. Uh, they seem to unearth talent everywhere. Uh, their batting is strong, and man, they, they have just got bowling stocks forever, it seems. Um, so yeah, I think it was a case of Australia being very good and England just being absolutely terrible. Got Jamie back on the line, which uh, is great. Uh, Happy New Year to you, uh, Jamie. Look, uh, we'll stay on the Ashes before we get to that football question that uh, I did ask you, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, for me, you, you, if you're Joe Root, uh, I, I don't feel a heck of a sorry for him because he, he made a few mistakes in terms of his selections. Uh, right from the very first decision uh, to bat first on a green pitch at the Gabba, leave out Anderson and Broad in the very first test match. He went asking for trouble there. He got it, uh, but he didn't get a lot of help either. Um, one of the, the great currencies in cricket is runs. He had no currency at any stage ready to play with, Jamie. 
No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, Happy New Year, you guys. Sorry about that just before. Um, yeah, uh, have to echo guys' sentiments. It was, it was a disappointing series. Um, at the same time, though, I, I have to say I was very impressed with, with Australia. Um, they, they've obviously um, taken uh, the fact that they're no longer they were no longer the world's best team um, to heart and, and really set out to, uh, to prove a point in this, in this Ashes series. So, Really, even if England had shown up, um, I, I still think they, they, they would have they would have lost. Um, and like you said, uh, Joe Root just didn't really have enough to, to play with. He was always being dealt a dud hand, and, and he he had uh, a lot of that due to the fact that he dealt himself a dud hand. You're right. I mean, the series couldn't have got off to a worse start. It was you know wicked on the on the very first ball, and it didn't really get any better for them for the English uh, until the uh, the fourth test. Um, and and even that was due was due to rain, um, but I mean, in saying that though, you know, there, there was a lot of positive stuff out of the series. I thought that you know there were some good uh, storylines from the Australian team. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the Scott Boland story. You know, as a guy who's been toiling away for what was it, twelve years in in Sheffield Shield, and then you know picks up eighteen wickets at what nine nine apiece. I mean, that's that's mm. that's incredible. Let's make a movie out of that kind of stuff. You know, um, Usman Khawaja coming back and. Uh, scoring a couple of, couple of centuries in Sydney, um, and just the fact that you know it was led really well by a, a, a very likable Australian cricket captain. Who would have thought we'd ever be saying that, you know? Uh, and, and Pat Cummins. So it's um, you know there, there's, there's, there's a few things to smile about it, and also you know it's uh, it, was, it was great to see Test cricket for you know over the course of five Tests um, over over the summer. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously England have put a lot of a lot of effort into white ball cricket. And then, you know, to be fair, it has paid off for them. They are, you know, through, and I'm saying this through extremely good teeth, but they are the one-day world champions. Um, but the thing is with them is that they're always going to be judged on, the, on, the, on not just on test cricket, but this particular series. And mm. I think, uh, you know, while not a lot of people were expecting them to win, they were at least expecting them to put up a fight, and they did not do that. Jamie Wall and Guy Havelt with us. Uh, they'll be back with us too uh, after this news break with Trudy. It's 10.30 here on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Guy Havelt with us and uh, Jamie Wall. And uh, Guy, uh, any sympathy at all on your radar for the Joker, Novak Djokovic, now that he's winged his way to Dubai, we understand? What a build-up to a Grand Slam this has been. Uh, Just phenomenal, really, and... I was I was watching this court case yesterday and there were, what, 90,000 people watching the live stream. I didn't really understand a lot of it, I've got to be honest, but uh, I think it was more than more than they had watching the Big Bash or something. I saw someone, a respectable uh, Aussie Juno tweet, so that's how, how much interest it got. Look, uh, not a lot of sympathy. I mean, it could have quite easily been fixed by him getting the jab. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. In saying that, and, and I, I love sport and I watch sport for the competition, and if we take the jab and the politics and everything out from it. And, and as I say, he could have quite easily fixed this by just simply getting the jab. Uh, this is a massive blow to the Australian Open and, and, it, and it just weakens the whole thing for me. Um, you know, I, I, I love watching Novak Djokovic play 10. We might have just lost uh, Guy there as well, um, I think. So uh, can we go across, go across uh, while well, we're having phone problems there with uh, Guy. Jamie, can we go across to you and your thoughts on Novak Djokovic? Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty similar. I don't feel particularly sorry for him. And just following on to what, from what Guy uh, just said, um, it's not just harmful for the Aussie Open, but it's actually harmful for tennis because he is the world number one. And if he's going to continue with the stance 
and I kind of don't really see why he he wouldn't at this stage. Then it's going to throw a real spanner into the works for the other Grand Slams um, coming up. And the issue is that you know we're still going to have a good Australian Open. There's still obviously the the talent there to make it a great a great competition without um, Novak Djokovic. But you kind of get the feeling that it's going to be one of those ones, like with the French Open when Rafa Nadal was out injured, that it's kind of just going to have this asterisk next to it, saying, you know, oh, whoever wins, if it's Medvedev or Murray or, or Nadal, mm. that, you know, they, they didn't actually have to face the world number one at the time at his at his most favoured uh, Grand Slam um, as well. So that's that's the, the, the crappy thing, the crappiest thing about it. Um, and saying that, though, like I said, he could have just got jabbed like everyone, every other sports person in the world um, seems to have done in order to just uh, get on with their life and get on with their job. And not just sports people, but just the rest of us as well. It, it's, re- it's really difficult um, to feel sorry for him. The only, thing that, the only good thing that's come out of this, at least, sorry, from, from what I've talked to Australians of a certain political uh, persuasion, is that for a while there was making Scott Morrison look really bad. Uh, so, you know, that's the one silver lining that, that came out of it. <laughs> uh, Guy, we've got you back. Thank goodness for that. Just uh, finishing your point there because, I, you know, I, I just kind of look at this and I, I've tried to look at it from both sides very carefully, particularly uh, Djokovic's point of view and, you know, freedom of choice or whatever. But freedom of choice has changed uh, in the world now, hasn't it? Freedom of choice mm. is when mm. you go elsewhere, you now just have to abide. And, and I think um, this is probably one of the biggest statements uh, the world has seen on, on COVID and uh, just adhering to protocols wherever you are. Yeah, firstly, sorry about the phone. Not sure what happened there. Uh, yeah, you, you're dead right. The world is changing. Um, and, and this the jab isn't so much about him. It's about everyone around him. And, and if more people get jabbed, then, then this virus start, doesn't have as much of an impact. And I think we can all agree that that is... Well, those of us with sound minds can all agree that that is the case, that, you know, the more people jab, the better it is for the world. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, he, he is, you know, he's taking his view, but it, it, to me it's quite a selfish view. Um, moving on slightly from that and to another point around this, Craig Tiley, the tournament director who has, who has um, seemingly done a very good job in previous years for this tournament and turned it into one of the great tournaments in, in world sport, Man, he is under enormous pressure, isn't he? Because uh, from what I've read, it seems like he just told Djokovic that you know these documents that Tennis Australia signed for him would be enough for him for, to, to get him into the country. Mm. Um, completely wrong. Uh, completely going against what what the Australian government uh, had put down as as its protocols for people coming into the country. Uh, and if if that is the case, and, and from the reports that I've read in Australia, that is what they say. Uh, man, he, he, he is going to front some, some very tough questions over the coming days when he finally does front. Uh, I know they, they are numerous outlets asked to talk to him yesterday and he declined all of them. So uh, he is, he is on, on very thin ice at the moment, I think, Craig Tiley. It'll be fascinating to see uh, how it all plays out in the next couple of weeks and whether the tennis is indeed the main show or whether it's still, still the fallout from, from Mr Djokovic and, and what happens to Craig Tiley. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's missing, uh, of course, Federer as well and a couple of other players, etc. So I'll be interested to see what happens then on that men's side of the draw. Uh, Jamie, I, I, uh, before we lost your phone uh, a little bit earlier, I was going to ask you about 
Newcastle won, Watford won, because normally we wouldn't give a, a, a damn. Or there are fans of those two sides in the country, of course, but most of us wouldn't. Uh, bottom of the table clash, but all of a sudden it matters quite a lot to us because Chris Wood is now there. But the initial reviews, particularly one from Paul Merson, I read, weren't that flattering of that first performance. No, no, they weren't. Um, I mean, I have to give Chris Wood a, a little bit of slack here. He's only been on, on the team for, what, a few days. Um, and it's a team that's not performing uh, particularly well at the moment. Um, and also, you know, he's been at Burnley uh, for the last few years and been a, been a, obviously the big name there, scoring, scoring a lot of goals in a team that's expected to be at that end of the table, to be fair. Um, now he's not. He, he, he's at a team that's expected by their fans, I guess, fairly or unfairly, to be at the other end of the table. So there's going to be an, an awful lot more scrutiny on him. Um, the, the the other big story, I guess, around this is just, you know, how much money was involved, which makes him now you know, one of New Zealand's most successful athletes uh, of all time. Um, and But also just where that money's coming from. Um, there's obviously been a lot of talk about uh, the Saudi takeover of, of Newcastle and just how clean that, that money that they are now getting, which they can... Obviously, they've got a, a plan going forward where they'll probably try and be, become like a Galacticos-type team and fill up their side with with some really, really big names um, in the next few years. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, there's this whole big issue of sport washing and and what role that uh, an athlete like Chris Wood, who can just sort of put his hands up and say, well, I just got signed and transferred and, you know, I'm going to move off uh, to this team... Uh, but sort of at what point do we start questioning coming from? Yeah, well, that's, that's an interesting point of view. I hadn't uh, looked at it that, from that aspect. I was just, I was just wondering, 50 million bucks uh, for 50 million quid is a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money to put on top of your head, which means he's going to have to be a, a lot more answerable, I think, guy than, uh, than he was at Burnley. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, as you say, he's gone from one uh, premiership relegation potential struggler to, to another, uh, and this one's forked out, what, in excess, yeah, as you say, of, of 30 million quid or whatever it is. I mean, it's a, it's a heck of a lot of money, and uh, he has to, I know Jamie's right in the sense that he's only been there for, what, a few days before the game, but if you're getting that type of money paid for you, um, you have to hit the ground running straight away, and they are expecting him to score goals, and I I, you know, I, I do sometimes um, dislike the way that social media goes about things, but also I sometimes find it a decent gauge of what fans are feeling. And uh, I, I put on a couple of tweets uh, from Newcastle United after the game, and man, the fans were not overly impressed with Chris Wood, shall we say? So, yeah, plenty of pressure on his shoulders. Uh, we talk about the thirty million quid or whatever it was in the grand scheme of the Premier League. It's probably not actually that much, but uh, for a for a young Kiwi footballer, or for a Kiwi footballer, um, yeah, that, that's uh, that is huge pressure on him to deliver. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Premier League, but I might start catching up with the last few rounds to see how he goes and see if he can get them out of, of relegation. What there, I, I think, what there are four teams I think that seem to be fighting out uh, to get that one spot that, that keeps survival in the Premier League. So it could be uh, fairly interesting in the weeks to come. Guy Havelt uh, there and uh, Jamie Wall, uh, our panelists this morning. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I hope to speak with you again shortly uh, in that similar role. So plenty to talk about there. Uh, the Ashes, uh, Djokovic, Chris Wood. We didn't even touch on the Silver Ferns, um, but Yvonne Willering gave us a good summation of that 
earlier this morning. You can listen to that on the app, S-E-N-Z app. 